are listening to Thoughts and Tea here on Radio Africa 1804. I'm your host, Lori Lee. I'm excited to be back with you all today. I took a little break last week, um, but we did replay episode three, which was on dating in the age of social media last Monday. Um, and we did that so that we could continue the conversation today uh, with a part two. And I'm excited because we have a special guest today, and I'm really looking forward to hearing her thoughts on dating um, because it has changed so much. So when I think about the most of the women in my family, um, my mom and most of my aunts, you know, they met their husbands as young teenagers. Um, and I say young teenagers on purpose, right? We're not talking 18, 19. Some of them met their husbands when they were 12, 13 years old, and they got married in their early 20s. Um, and that's just the story I grew up seeing. That's how it went. And all of these marriages and relationships that started so young um, grew into these long-lasting commitments. So myself and you know my cousins, my friends, all the all the girls in our circle, we grew up having that vision, right? Like that's what dating and being courted and starting a family would look like. And then when you add on top of that, you know, all of the fairy tales we grew up watching from you know, Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella and my personal favorite, The Little Mermaid. There was just this idea that Prince Charming would just eventually show up, you know, somehow saving us from harm and sweeping us off our feet. And that happily ever after love would be this, you know, this thing, this hugely important, life-changing thing that was worth us giving things, you know, giving up things that were important to us. So that message is kind of, it starts to be ingrained in you at a really, really young age. When I was in college, I did this um, final presentation from one of my courses on the dangers, right, of the messages that are given in Disney movies. And I love Disney. But when you look at The Little Mermaid closely, when you're a little girl, you're five or six years old, and you are watching Ariel, and she's, you know, this rebel, this strong-willed, outspoken, um, adventurous, and courageous 16 year old right she's just she's super strong she's got her own ideas and she meets prince eric and falls in love at first sight and she has to give up the very thing that makes her her right she has to give up her voice and as kids we're just singing along and i remember singing all the lyrics with my sister and my cousin, like over and over again, but never really understanding what we were actually saying. So when Ursula is 
singing to Ariel and convincing her to become human in order to get her man, we have to really listen to what she's actually saying. And I wanted to share a couple of the lines with you from that song, um, from Poor Unfortunate Souls. Because when you take the melody out and just speak the words, you realize how alarming the message really is. Right? So at one point in the song, Ursula says to her, have we got a deal? And Ariel responds and says, if I become human, I'll never be with my father or sisters again. And Ursula responds, but you'll have your man. Life's full of tough, tough choices, isn't it? Right? So right away, she realizes if she does this, she will never be with her, her family again. But you'll have the man, right? That's, that's the goal. You'll have the man. That's what, what Ursula is telling her. And then she says, you know, we haven't discussed the subject of payment. I'm not asking for much, just a token, really a trifle. What I want from you is your voice. And Ariel says, but without my voice, you know, how can I, she's starting to voice, like, how am I going to be able to even communicate with this person? And this is where, to me, it, it gets really scary, right? So Ursula says back, you'll have your looks, your pretty face, and don't underestimate the importance of body language. The men up there don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. On land, it's much preferred for ladies not to say a word. Right? Then she says, they're not all that impressed with conversation. True gentlemen avoid it when they can. But they dote and swoon and fawn on a lady who's withdrawn. It's she who holds her tongue who gets her man. Right? I, I obviously had no idea what I was singing when I was singing that. And I loved that song. And it doesn't get much clearer than that, right? And this is not at all an attack on Disney. I love Disney as much as the next person. But I do wonder how much words like this impacted the minds of young girls all over, right? For many girls, the goal is to be, to be married, right? We aspire to marriage. And getting to that goal may require a bit of giving up who you are so that you can actually make it to the altar. We grow up seeing that. It's, it's, in, it's in the movies. It's in the songs we're singing. And of course, I'm not saying that this is always the case, but it's obviously really common. That story has been played over and over again throughout the years. So when we get into these relationships in our teens and you know in those early college years, our expectations 
can A, be a bit unrealistic, right? Because you're expecting the guy to be this perfect Prince Charming. But I think what's scarier than that is we have this willingness to deprioritize what's important to us. So if that's at the base, if that's at the root, it's understandable that a lot of those relationships end up the way they do, right? But, I mean, the silver lining, I guess, in it would be that we do get to learn so much about ourselves when we make it to the other side, right? Those relationships when we're young and when we don't have everything figured out yet, the pain is still there and the sadness is still there and it is really hard to get over, but it does, you know, when you do get over it, it comes with this, you know, this sense of self that you're finally able to develop, right? So for those of us who have been single in our 30s, it's a totally different ballgame. Who I am, how I think, what I'm willing to do, what I won't accept in my 30s is totally different from what it was when I was 18, you know, when I was 19 and had my first boyfriend or in my early 20s. At this point, we've got a couple of relationships under our belt, you know, a few experiences that have hopefully taught us what we want and what we don't want. And at this stage in our lives, we're more established. We're more established in who we are, how we feel about ourselves and our careers. We've got some financial security. We've got some independence. We're bosses at work, we're goal-oriented and results-driven. So naturally now at this stage, because of all the things we have accomplished and everything we've experienced in the corporate world, we think we can kind of approach dating the same way, right? Like being results-driven. And that just adds this other layer of complication to it. And then on top of that, we're in this digital age, which is kind of based in a racist system. So especially if you're a black woman, things get a little bit more challenging. Sarah, I don't want to butcher her name, but Sarah Adyinka, Adyinka Scold, is a um, sociologist and doctoral candidate at the University of Pennsylvania and she explored these challenges in her dissertation so she interviewed I think 110 or 115 women um, different races black white Asian Latina and her research showed that black women are less likely to be contacted in the dating market and she took a deep look at what the experience of this exclusion would do to us, right? How it would impact us. And so I thought that was so interesting, you know? So while black men may be romantically interested in black women, black women are the only group that experience exclusion from both black men and non-black men. And this is not 
you know, this is not a matter of perception or opinion. It's, it's kind of a fact. It's in the numbers. So in 2014, I think, um, OkCupid, which is a, a dating app, did a study that showed that men who were not black were less likely to start conversations with black women online or in the apps. And black men were equally likely to initiate conversations with women of every race. So then you think like, you know, why is that happening? So in, in doing her research for her dissertation, um, Sarah asked black women why they thought this was the case. And she found like that there was this overwhelming belief that black men don't want to date black women because they are considered too independent, um, angry, too strong, and sometimes emasculating. So Sarah said basically that both black and non-black men use the typical stereotypes and, you know, and tropes that are popular in society to justify why they don't date black women. So these stereotypes that are out there that have plagued black women in society, right? How often do we hear that term angry black woman um, in society, in the workplace? It's, it's also impacting our dating lives, right? So when you combine that with the typical structural barriers that our racist society creates, it just deepens the black woman's struggle to find her partner. And she also stated that, I really like this quote, she said, as long as we have a society that has historical amnesia and doesn't believe that the ways in which we structured society 400 years ago still has an impact today Black women are going to continue to have an issue in the dating market, right? It's going to continue to be a challenge. So what does that mean? I mean, does it, does it mean that like Ariel, we need to give up our voices, um, give up the parts of us that make us who we are, give up the accomplishments we've made, the advancements we've made in our careers, in order to feel fulfilled in this part of our lives? I mean, for me, it's that's a strong no, right? Because I just can't see how we can sustain relationships or marriages long-term when we have to dim our lights to make them work. That just doesn't make sense to me. But at the same time, I also don't see a huge shift yet in how black women are viewed. So, I mean, what are, you know, what do we do? And I'm not really sure what the answer is here, but I know for myself and for many of the single black women in my circle, we have to focus on ourselves. Focus on living our lives to the fullest as we continue to navigate the dating world, right? In the hopes of finding a partner who will love us and value us and be proud of our strength and independence, right? Welcome our educated opinions and support our dreams and visions for ourselves. 
to find a partner whose ambition matches ours and whose manhood isn't threatened by us. Partners who will, partners who will see, you know, our beauty and our flaws and give us the space to be authentic and vulnerable. That's, that's the dream, right? And when you've had the taste of a truly supportive partner and being in a supportive relationship that gives you the space to grow, it's, it's almost impossible to accept anything less, no matter what kind of packaging it comes wrapped in, right? At this time in my life, support and the feeling of being valued and respected outweighs most things. So it's hard to be on the apps when it's clear that my education and my job are a deterrent for many men, right, that are scrolling through. So personally, I've quit them all. I just don't, I just don't think the apps are for me. And I think there's something to be said for meeting a man or building a relationship with someone whose path you cross naturally. Um, but I totally get that, and that's not for everybody, right? I'm clearly in the minority because dating apps have become the new normal. So that said, um, I'd like to introduce my really good friend, Billy Richards. Billy is a creative art director who has been in business for herself for a long time now, um, offering consulting services to some of the top names in fashion and cosmetics, right? Easily recognizable brands. And Billy and I have been friends, I think for 11 years now. Um, and we've been there for each other through all the ups and downs in relationships and dating. So I'm really happy to have her as our first special guest in our conversation series. So Billy, welcome to Thoughts and Tea. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I know that my intro probably did not do you justice, so <laughs> why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey? Sure. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, yeah, I'm art, creative, art director slash creative director, um, and I've been consulting and, and also um, uh, in-house for about probably 15 years now for like Lori said, um, a bunch of fashion and beauty brands that are household names at this point. Um, and I've really, really um, made it my, my point as I've gotten older to um, focus on that and be proud of what I do and love what I do so it's not work. Um, so I've really been very excited about that um, and um, being able to um, own that part of my life. Um, I have been married. I have been divorced i've been in relationships i've been dating i've been single um, and um, it all kind of in a nutshell helped to bring me to where i'm at now where i'm i show up even better for myself uh professionally as well as personally and for my friendships and family um and yeah that's in a nutshell where um where i am right now yeah that's um, amazing. so i'm from new york uh so that I have to put that in there because that adds a whole nother level to the dating conversation. It definitely um, does. <laughs> so being from New York, especially, it's like hard, A, to go to another place, but B, you know 
what's in New York and what's available to you. So it's hard to even take that same attitude and keep that same energy in any other place but New York or some or something that looks like New York. So um, I think that can't I can't I can't introduce who I am without saying that for sure. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, being a New Yorker is definitely like a part of the fabric of who I am. I think that goes for anybody who is like a true blue New Yorker. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but so, okay, so before we dive into this conversation, I wanted to first thank you for being here and for being willing to have an open, honest, um, and authentic dialogue with me and, and our Thoughts and Tea listeners. So let's get into it. Um, when we first met, we met at Hunter College. We, for whatever reason, <laughs> the universe, divine intervention, just had like three out of five classes together. Um, and so we kept seeing each other's face and it was like, I might as well walk to my next class with this person. <laughs> um, and so we kind of just started off that way. And at the time, so this is like 2009 maybe, um, we were both in long-term relationships and I was fortunate to witness and participate in your wedding back then um one of my favorite memories of us is when we went shopping for your wedding dress yes. and yeah that was a really special moment and you were an absolutely gorgeous bride um but like you just mentioned you know a few years later you found yourself single again right mm -hmm. and Having been part of that moment, I know that both you and your ex went into your marriage um, with the goal that it was going to be forever, right? And while breakups and divorce are common, I don't think we speak about it enough, um, like really addressing what it does to us, how it impacts us, uh, and the courage it takes, right, to learn from the experience, to grow, and to just move forward. So... What, if anything, would you like to share about what that experience was like for you? Because it's it's obviously different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in a nutshell, the experience was I'm not one of those, um, like so you, you said earlier, like an angry black woman. Like I'm not one of those women. Um, I yes, I'm black, but I'm not. I'm not one of those women they paint us to be um, to be bitter and angry. So actually, I had. I mean, for all. For all intents and purposes, I had a great time being married, um, and I really enjoyed the, 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 I don't want to say structure, but I really enjoy the, uh, the situation of marriage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I enjoy, um, being in a long-term relationship, a committed relationship. I enjoy, um, having some, a partner in life that, um, is committed to me and I, them, him, in this case, um, and I enjoyed having um, someone to hold me accountable and vice versa. So in general, like if you if, if I'm compartmentalizing the question, I think um, I, I like I like being married. I think um, obviously you don't go into a marriage wanting to divorce, but outside of the outcome, I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed um, having that level of intimacy with another being. Um, within the context of romantic love and um, someone who shares the same outlook, goals, um, and how they move in the world with me. I think that was that was really dope and I really liked it. And it's something I still want. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not bitter. 
I'm not somebody that um, has sworn off men or sworn off love at all. In fact, I'm even more <laughs> leaning into it, and I know it's there for me. And not everybody has that experience. Not everybody um, can walk through, especially the way I walk through it, because, again, everybody's marriage and everybody's divorce and everybody's life is completely different um, from anybody else's. And if anybody tells you different, they're lying. Um, <laughs> everybody's com- – it's like your fingerprint. There's no definition – the only thing that's consistent about marriage is the word marriage. There's no definition to how you do it. What works for this person works for that person. It's as unique as your fingerprint. So I think that um, for me, like outside of the outcome, I really enjoyed it. Um, the ups and the downs. And yeah, it's something that I want to do again. And I'm, you know, I'm, I believe in. Um, and I believe in how it works for me not the construct itself, but I believe in what that looks like for me and, and love. So I, in general, to sum that up, I love my experience being married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. I think when you are in a relationship for a really long time and it ends, right? It ends, whether it ends on good terms or on bad terms, the ending is hard, but I don't think I ever felt like I wish it never happened. Right, like as difficult as some of those moments were, I wouldn't trade any of it because there was, you know, if it's a good relationship and, you know, sometimes good relationships end or they take breaks. And when that, you know, when you look back on that, there's there's a lot of good there. So I'm definitely with you on that. Like I'm still a hopeless romantic. I still want to get married one day. None of that has changed. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just because I was in a long a long term relationship that you know that ended. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So let me ask I you think this. That's okay, too. Sorry to jump in, but yeah, I think yeah. that's okay. Like I think people paint it as like um, just because you've had like a not favorable experience that you should swear off love and marriage like no I think people have to be okay with hey I failed or this failed this is where I could have done things differently I could have you know looked at this or approached this differently it's a learning experience I think um it's all it's all perspective and if you look at it as something negative obviously it sucks at the time but if you look at it as something negative then you're only going to see negativity from it and you're not I don't think you'll really truly understand the lessons that should have been learned for that experience. Like you don't go through it for nothing. Exactly. Um, so I think it's about perspective. If, if you can walk away taking something from it, even if it's a small morsel, you've, you, you've already done well. You've already, maybe the marriage didn't last, but you're more stronger. And this is for men and women, but especially for women, because that's who I'm speaking from. Um, you're stronger. You know, to your point, how to move differently. You know what you want the next time around. You know what you don't want. You or you have a better exact. You know, some people do this seven times, but like you, you should have a better <laughs> idea of what you want the next time around, and you should be able to identify that sooner rather than later, and either commit to it and lean into it, or to back away and say, no, I don't think this is working for me, and you want know, to move on to something else. So I think either way you slice it, I think you you come out of something like that. And again, I don't want to just assign it to just a marriage, but people also that have been in long-term relationships that don't have paperwork, but, you know, like almost things and things that never were. But like these things are all profound um, relationships in your life um, that if you, if you don't walk away from it, um, 
having learned something, it, then it makes it for nothing, you know? So I think, um, yeah, that that's my takeaway on that. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes so much sense, right? You have to... I think in order to be able to really learn from it, you have to be able to look at it with clear eyes, right? Like I'm, I think for me, it's so important not to rewrite history. Cause sometimes when a relationship doesn't work, you know, you or people around you will try to paint it as if it was this awful thing the whole time. And that's not the case most of the time, right? So to be able to really look at it, look at the parts of it that were good, appreciate them for what they were, you know, maybe realize that those are the things you want to move forward or take with you into the next relationship. And then also look at the things that weren't so great, the things about yourself that you want to change or the things that you hope, you know, or that you will look for um, to be different in your next partner. I think it's exactly. that's really good. So let me ask you this, you know, did you take a lot of time to just be with yourself you know how how long was it before you started dating again um I took I mean actively probably about two years but I don't think it was on purpose that I sat like it wasn't purposeful one day I was like I'm gonna take two years and um this is what's gonna be um I it was when I felt ready to you know engage with someone again it's when I felt ready to that I was able to like show up almost fully and that I was also able to receive someone else in that way, like mentally and um, just even have a conversation. It doesn't even have to be that deep. Like for a long time, I didn't even want to talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, so I think from a simple perspective, yeah, like I, I had to wait for, sorry, is there feedback? Sorry. It's it's breaking up a little bit, but I think we can still hear you pretty well. Okay. Um, yeah. Like so, I think yeah. From a from a simple perspective, it literally was just oh, I'm ready to talk to other people again. That's nice. That's great. That I feel like it's just something that just happened. But I also had to work on you know being okay being by myself, um, getting to the the root of why things kind of happened the way they did. And that's not to say that. It, I'm still there. I'm still obviously uncovering things <laughs> about myself and about how I am in relationships that only help my dating life now. But um, yeah, to answer the question, I was probably, I started dating, dating again, maybe, maybe two years or two years or so after I got separated and it, I realized that the marriage was not reconciling. Um, and I started, you know, taking taking people seriously at that point. So how did you know that you were ready? Was it just like a feeling you had? Like, was there something that happened that triggered it? How'd you know? Um, you know, like after a while, you just, you sit with yourself long enough and then you're just like, I'm ready for something new. And that's for me. Um, I got tired of being almost playing the victim in a way to myself yeah like I I got tired of saying oh you don't deserve this you're you're not it look what happened last time I got tired of like talking down to myself and that comes from um that's when I when I started putting on my self-worth and building that back up that's when I started feeling more confident about dating again so 
Um, like I said, that started about two years after the marriage, but it's still a work in progress. But I find the more I work on myself, the more stronger I am to date and take on more and more. So, um, yeah, it, it's a gradual process. For me, it was a gradual process. For me, I was like, I'm tired of feeling like I'm not worth it or I'm not, no one's going to want me or, you know, that didn't work out. So maybe you're just not, maybe it's just not. Not, not that's not it for you like I, I'm st- I, I, I hated being in that mental space yeah and then I decided to kind of revamp my life like look like revamp my look like really it comes down sometimes to like the 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 uh the uh, cosmetic kind of things like you look at yourself it's like oh I'm gonna change my look I'm gonna you know meet new people I'm gonna literally do the things that people say to do to kind of start over that's what you yeah. do and then it kind of, with that kind of comes with a new mentality. So I think um, when I started leaning into like loving myself and caring about myself a little more and like building myself up that way, I got more and sh- more stronger gradually and more comfortable with dating. And I felt like, who am I? Like, I like myself. I want to see if somebody else likes me too. You know, like yeah. I am capable of um, loving and loving again and being loved. And um, but to the other point of that, like that's all like the roses and like happily ever after. The other part of that is like I didn't want to be. You know, I don't want to be alone forever. Um, and I got like that. I, I got tired of you know playing that victim mentality, and yeah. it's just kind of. Shifting your again, shifting your thoughts and your perspective, um, and knowing that you're worth your self worth inside. You're confident, and you know that you that if that's what you want, you can go get it. So I just had to get to that place first, and now I'm all about the dating life. I love it. I think it gives me <laughs> it gives me <laughs> love it. Like I think it gives me power. So like you know, uh, you know, self confidence. Not that I need that from dating. I don't need that validation, and that's the other part too. I don't need that validation from dating. Like, some people can't be alone. Yeah. I don't want to knock people that are in constant relationships, but some people can't be alone. Me, I was never that kind of person. Like, even before I got married, I was never the girl that constantly had a boyfriend. And it's not because I couldn't get one. I just didn't want one. I like being alone. I like having my time. I like knowing who I am. And being in a 10-year relationship, married and dating with the same guy, like... Not that I lost who that was, but I moved away from her. So I had to get back to who she was, and she's awesome. And I love spending time with that person. So yeah. I don't want to – I didn't want to rush into that again either with having to split my my energy between loving myself and trying to make somebody else love me and me loving them. It's just wasted energy. So I think that goes all back – to that ties back to self-love and that concept of knowing your worth and knowing who you are first before you allow somebody else. It sounds super cliche, but it's actually very true. Um, know, knowing the core of who you are or as best as you can, because that's like a lifelong process, but knowing that to the best of your ability in this present moment, um, that is kind of the, uh, the catalyst to make me want to start dating again. When I started realizing, no, I'm pretty dope. I'm pretty cool chick um yeah maybe I should kind of venture out and see what's going on there yeah and that's yeah like that's what made me kind of think that way it's funny you 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 talked about like that comfort of being alone and really spending time with yourself when I look at the time like immediately following this like huge breakup for me 
I think I felt this pressure to start dating again. I don't think I actually was ready to start dating when I did, right? Because I was enjoying learning about myself and spending time with myself, right? Because like you, I was in a relationship for 10 years. And so there's naturally, there are some parts of you that you kind of start to lose a little. And I was getting reacquainted with myself. And I think I kind of cut it short because I was feeling a little pressure. And not that anybody put pressure on me specifically, but I thought like my family and my friends are so worried about me. Like if I don't get back <laughs> into the dating scene soon, they're going to say something. So I think I jumped the gun and I remember like the first couple of guys that I went out on dates with, um, there was there was one guy specifically who was very smitten and I felt terrible because I knew it wasn't going anywhere and I wasn't interested in it going anywhere because I did want and need to be by myself at that time. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's hard to try to figure out when exactly is the right time. And maybe there is no perfect time, right? Like you just got to jump back in at some point. Um, but yeah, I think I felt a little bit of pressure. So I like, you know, was asking friends, you know, the friends that were asking me if I was dating were like, you need to get on the apps. And so I got on the apps and I hated it. <laughs> and I'm wondering like, what was that like for you? How, how did you get back into dating? Right? Because I was clueless as to how yeah. the apps worked because I hadn't been single since I was 23. So yeah. I felt like a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, totally. I agree with you. Same, like actually same. But I also want to touch on one thing you just said about the. I didn't have that. I didn't have that experience of feeling pressure. It was. I spend. A, I'm very like. I spend a lot of time. Like I said, I like being my, by myself a lot. So I understand myself. Um, like I. I don't allow other. I don't want to say that. Like I want. What was I going to say? I I didn't feel that pressure from other people. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I am. Like, But no one ever said to me, um, you got to get back out there. You got to get back out there. I'm not saying that was to you. I'm just saying no one ever said that to me. Like, no one ever said, um, specifically my parents, no one ever said to me or my family that, you know, you got to, you're, you're, you're getting older, da, da, da. You got you to gotta work on this. Like, no one ever said that to me. So I never felt that pressure. If anything, it was just like, take as much time as you need yeah and I wish I kind of had that pressure a little bit because maybe I would have moved on a little quicker um <laughs> I'm just taking my sweet time um and I think it helped um I did get people saying to me like uh you know you got you have to move on and I hate when people say that because you you move on in your own time like I hate when people say that but like no I didn't have that pressure so that's the one thing but what I was going to say in terms of the the actual um actionable steps I took to start dating. Yeah, I heard about these apps and everything while I was married, and I thought they were hysterical um, <laughs> at the time. I thought, I was just like, why would anyone do that? Like, I was just very confused by it, and it didn't, it seemed like a joke to me, um, something for entertainment. And this was back in the early days when it was like, people were starting to get on it. So all my, my single friends at the time were on it, and I was just... I was just, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to. And this is way before, like, my marriage started to unfortunately unfold. But, like, 
I I just didn't understand the concept of it. I thought it was hysterical. And again, I'm sounding super judgy, but this is just my experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, after things shifted and, you know, my single friends who were on those apps started to get married, some of them from those apps, some of them found long-term partners from those apps, you know, then I started saying, oh, well, maybe it's an actual way to meet people, especially this day and age. Um, so fast forward, um, my marriage, you know, unfolded, but I still didn't want to get on the apps. I was still like, no, I don't know if this is for me. And then one day I just was like, I guess I'm going to do it. This is what's happening. Let me, I might as well, because meeting people in real life in New York is already just crazy time. So like, and connecting with someone, um, is very crazy. So I, yeah, I got on the apps and tried that, um, I'm not going to say I'm still not on the apps, but I don't engage with it as much because I don't, for me, it doesn't work. For me, I'm a vibes person. I like meeting people in person. I like seeing if we laugh at similar things. I like seeing if, you know, uh, you know, what, what, how do you, like, what's your cadence and how you speak? What are you thinking about? What do you talk about? Like, I think, I think the apps are, it's, it's a nice way. Yes. It's a nice way to meet people, but I don't think it's for me. I don't get, I like to look at people authentically, like right off the bat and see if we vibe. Um, And that's always been the case for me. So like I said, I've met a few guys off the apps, but uh, there's nobody that I've really vibed. There was one guy I vibed with. Um, But yeah, like, and we didn't date either. He was a nice guy. Like, I think I'd still be friends with him. But in terms of like dating somebody, no. Like, I think people put on, it's like you already put on a mask when you're meeting somebody new. Yeah. I think the, the app adds another level of mask. That And that, I think that's my my issue with it, right? I feel yeah. like, and I know it works for some people. I have, yeah. I have friends that have met on apps and are super happy. So I know it works for some people. But it, it feels so impersonal. Yeah. You know, like the act of sitting at home on the couch and just scrolling through hundreds of profiles and like making these quick judgments about people based off of their picture and a couple of, you know, sentences in their profile. It just feels like not what I want dating to be like for me. Yeah. 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 It's a little weird. So I've, you know, I think you and I have shared a bunch of crazy dating stories, and I was wondering if you have um, just one that's so ridiculous that you'd like to share. One that's so ridiculous that I'd like to share. Um, hmm. I can't, you know what, I honestly, I'm blanking. I can't get, get off the top. I can't, honestly, can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but I just, I do know of people that have, like, I have a cousin, <laughs> she would kill me. Um, actually, no, she thinks this is a really fun story to share. So basically her story was, because uh, she's also divorced and, you know, dating, but at the time she's got a partner now. But um, I think one day she met some guy off the app and I think it's this thing where, um, you know, people lie about their height mm-hmm. on the app, which is again super frustrating like why lie if we're if the if the goal is to meet you in person why lie just be up just be up front from the jump like i don't understand what the purpose of lying is it doesn't make sense to me so that's my other gripe 
with apps. But I digress. So my cousin, <laughs> my cousin basically is just like she, you know, I guess she was all chatting with this dude for like a few weeks, and then they finally decide to meet in person. So they meet in person. The first thing, obviously, she notices is that he was uh, less than truthful about his height. That's Which an understatement. I know this story. It's a lot worse than less than truthful. <laughs> less than truthful, meaning they were, you know, they said something about, oh, I'm not X, Y, Z, but they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't follow through all the way with what they, you know, what it, what it actually is. Was, so, yeah. So that's half the battle. So like, yeah, she shows up and he's, it's clear that he's been less than truthful with his height situation. Fine. She's not shallow. She's still, you know, they had a great conversation, so she keeps going. Um, I, I don't remember the details specifically, but I do remember at the end of the day, it didn't work out. And he gets a text message or an, I, an Instagram direct message from him, like, the next day, uh, talking about, uh, you owe me money for that dinner. And she's like, what? Why? Well... You owe me money for the dinner because, you know, it's not working. Basically, it's not working out. And also, you took away time from me and my child. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, just some wild stuff. So I'm like, wait, what? So he, he wanted a refund, basically. He wanted a refund from the time and energy he put into trying to date this person that they obviously had some sort of connection before they met in person. Like... <laughs> I just don't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, I don't get it. And, like, it really, like, and then went on to text message her or DM her at some point, like, just some very inappropriate, crazy stuff. Like, I would, I didn't know it was, you was like, he basically said, I didn't know you were like that girl. Like, my cousin is the sweetest person ever. Like, she has no, uh, you know, like, like, ill will or any kind of ulterior motive. Like, she's looking for love just like we all are. She's a good girl. She she gets... She's from New York, so she's she's not dumb. Like, she understands exactly what <laughs> the deal is. And, like, the fact that he would even approach her like this and say these things, it boggles my mind. Because, like, we just laughed at it. Because I'm just like, who is this person? He clearly has issues. Like, yeah. I don't and know. That's, that's like, the it was thing. wild. So that's one of the crazier stories I've heard. That's the thing, too, and I, I talked about this um, in episode three, the first time we talked about dating. It's just, I think the apps have made guys specifically, like, really unable to handle rejection. Exactly. Right? They yeah. lash out from it because they're so, that that old style of, like, being able to go out to a bar or a club and try to talk to 15 different girls in the hopes of like leaving with three numbers is out yes. the window. Like they don't have that, that tolerance built up for it. So yeah. when a girl is no longer interested or isn't interested from the jump, they just, they lash out in such a crazy way. Like I've gotten messages from guys, you know, who, who maybe initiated a conversation and maybe I felt off the bat like I wasn't going to be interested or maybe I was you know already dating someone else whatever it was and so mm. you know you politely say like no like I'm good right now and they they just lose their minds and I'm like you've you've never even spoken to me to be this angry that I don't want to continue this conversation yeah it's insane it is insane <laughs> and I think I think you hit it right on the head it's like that level of rejection like it's not like how it used to be. And that takes us back to like 
modern dating, which is something I had to learn coming out of the marriage as well, right? Like when I when I met my ex husband, I was twenty three years old. Um, I am now thirty six years old. It's things a lot of things have changed. It's a new decade. <laughs> There's new ways of dating. Yeah. Um, text messaging, to, if I'm being completely transparent, wasn't a huge thing back then either. Um, like you definitely texted, but it wasn't like as the, the only way you speak to somebody now, right? So um, things are things are way different, and I had to kind of reacclimate myself to dating and understanding how communication happens within that kind of space. And I think, yeah, you can't. Men aren't like you shouldn't. You shouldn't have a problem with a woman has the right or whoever has the right to move forward with this conversation and this with this interaction or not. So if you shouldn't, if you feel rejected, that's not that other person's problem. And like, that's, that makes dating even harder, unfortunately, Um, especially in New York where there's five equally beautiful, talented, strong women for every guy, you know, like we are in abundance in big cities like New York, um, you know, LA, London, like we're in abundance. Yeah. Um, women like us. So, so uh, what do you think are the biggest challenges right now for a professional black woman who is trying to date? Yeah, I think we talked about this. I think one of the ma- major challenges is you're too independent. I've literally had my uncle ask me, literally say to me, <laughs> um, Billy, why are you still why are you still single? Are you dating? You're you're too cute to be alone. I hate when people say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what am I supposed to just like settle just because like am I supposed to rest? And it goes back to your I love how you open with that 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 scene from um Little Mermaid, because no, I'm not gonna like you I'm not gonna like dim my light and my voice and who I am to accommodate or settle for someone. If you can't get on the train, if we can't be on the same train together, why are we even on the train? Yeah. Like, why are we dealing with each other? Like, the whole point, you get one life to live. You want to be authentic as possible. Why? You you don't want to dim your light and make yourself, shrink yourself for anybody. That's whether it's a romantic relationship or friendship, family members. Like, it goes across the board. Any kind of interaction you're having with someone, life is short. You need to be joyful as much as possible have gratitude, think, you know, be blessed um, that you're you're awake. Like, why would I spend my time and waste my energy dealing with someone that can't that can't um, appreciate me and I him? So I think um, to your point, um, when I look at for a, a candidate who I'm dating, I need them to um, be confident in themselves to to stand in partnership with a woman. Uh, that has a has a voice, has a point of view that is strong, that um, takes care of herself. But also, I'm not I'm not too strong that I don't want to cater to my man either, right? Like yeah. I want I want to take care of him. I, I want to cook for him. I want to I want to do things for him. You know, like so it's like there needs to be a balance. But I also need you to do that as well. You know, so I, I don't want anybody to ever feel intimidated by the fact that I have a voice and an opinion and I show up as much as I can uh, 100% of the time, as much as I can. like, um, And sometimes, you know, you have to be okay with that. And I think that um, 
I think that's hard for some men to grasp that concept, especially, of, like you said, of a black woman, a professional black woman who kind of has set herself up for success on her own. Yeah, and um, that's the thing, too. Like, have you ever had anyone, like, whether it was actually someone you're dating or a friend or family member, try to make you feel like in order for you to have a successful relationship, you'd have to give up some aspects of your career? Um, not me, actually. It, not me, per se, because fortunately, the men that I choose to engage with, they're super supportive of me. Um, because there's very, I've actually not had that. I mean, when I was in high school, maybe, but not in my adult life. So thank goodness I haven't had that. But, um, yeah, I have heard of women that, um, unfortunately they had to, um, kind of step back in order to make, make their man feel, you know, more heroic than they are or more or more like a man because (laughs) the issue I think the issue with that situation is that it has nothing to do with the woman right like if if you're if you're needing for the person you're dating to fall back in some kind of way so that you can be comfortable the problem is you not her right like maybe you need to step up in your drive and your ambition to go after the things that you want so that it doesn't matter what she's doing, so that you can champion her and be her cheerleader because she'd be standing right next to you, right? Right. Yeah. And I think think that um, that's not to say that if you as a woman have not reached where you want to be yet, we're all hustling, right? We're all working, always looking to be better the day after the next and the next day after that, you know? Like, we're all looking to be better every day. But... um, that's not to say that if you're not where you want to be yet, that now you can, like, you're, you're, you can, like, shrink down. I think we as women, especially as black women, have, we have power, um, and we have voices, and we should never, um, dim them. And to your earlier point, this is, I, the statistic that you brought up about black women essentially being the least selected. Yeah. Uh, I hate that. Every time I hear that, I I talk about that statistic a lot because um, it has an effect on, it definitely had an effect on me, especially someone that is out here dating. That has an effect on me because that shows me that no matter how independent I am, no matter how much I don't need anyone's help, no matter how self-sufficient I am and that I show that, it still doesn't matter because you're not going to pick me anyway. That has an effect on me. Yeah, it. I think that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you, right? Like, I think I think the first time I really started hearing that statistic was back in 2014 when um, Being Mary Jane came out on, on mm-hmm. BET. And there was all this buzz around the show. Um, I think just to kind of like, you know, prep people for it and build out you know, what this character Mary Jane was going to be about, this idea that, like, black women were the least desirable, right? And I remember being so, like, offended by that because I felt like it painted this picture of desperation on the part of the professional black woman. Like, poor black women, it's so hard to find a man. And I, and, like, (laughs) it's so frustrating when you hear that repeatedly 
Um, because, like, the fact that the, the relationship isn't there doesn't mean that my whole life is a wash. <laughs> right? Like, there's so many other aspects of my life. There's so many other things happening. And there's this emphasis on, like, you know, this pity for for the black woman because nobody wants her. And I'm like, that's, it's, in some ways you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, I get what they're trying to say. But then yeah. also I have so many beautiful black friends that are in happy relationships, right? So right. there's, there may be some truth to it, but it's not the end all be all. And I think it creates this feeling of like, you know, oh my God, you got to get out there and find someone because it's going to be mm-hmm. so hard. And that's, that's it, a lot to have to carry. And well, yeah, also, and it creates this feeling of you have to settle, especially as yeah. women. You know, like, I'm, like I said, I'm 36. Yeah, I want to have children. I'm not going to settle for any Joe Schmo that walks by. I'm going to, you know, like, I'm going to make sure the person that I, um, I'm fortunate enough and he is fortunate enough for with me, where we come to each other's lives, I want it to be, again, an authentic connection, and I don't just want to have to, I have that power. Yeah. I have that right. It's my body. Um, I don't I don't have to choose. And I think they put that on us, that we have to just get what we get. Yeah. You know, we have to settle for what we get because we're already at the bottom of the totem pole. I think that is such a terrible narrative to put out in the world. Um Granted, yes, if you want to be very specific and pointed and focused on what you want, you probably will have to hold out a little longer, and that's okay. Um, I think that's what comes with the self-work and doing that kind of loving yourself. I think when you do that, the weight isn't so... You don't you don't even know you're waiting, really. I mean, sure, you'll get lonely, but it's not like, you know, you're dying, right? Like, you, it's... you Like, to your point, you have your life. Yeah. My life isn't dependent on if some man is going to come save me. I would love to walk in partnership with someone, um, and I'm still on that track. I want that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to, like, sit and just kind of hang out and, you know, sit on my hands until that happens. No, yeah. I'm going to live my life to its fullest. Exactly. Um, you can't Because just... I, I'm here, and I'm, I, I'm so grateful that I get to do that. So I think, um, yeah, that sucks. That That statistic sucks, and the fact that... Um, that statistic is out there, and that we know about it, and every we everyone knows that statistic. It's it's terrible, and I I hope it changes over the next. I, I really hope it changes, and as we start to see, you know, we're owning more spaces where we weren't before. You yeah. know, like you are owning space massively in the tech industry. I'm owning taking up massive space in the fashion and beauty industry, and all these other different things we're touching, like. We're starting to, not starting, we're, we're more and more moving in spaces than we weren't before. So people are seeing um, not just our strength as black women, they're seeing our vulnerabilities. What makes So it should actually bring some sort of more human aspect to the fact that, yeah, we come off, we are strong, but we're humans too. Yeah. And we want to take care of our men, and we're not always strong. Sometimes we, we're going to take off the, the cape. And we're going to put that on you and we're going to work together in partnership to make that happen. So that doesn't mean that we're more combative or aggressive than the next woman. We're we're human. We're women. Um, So I think hopefully that'll start to change as we we see more representation in all of these different spaces. I think all of it works together, to be quite honest. Yeah, Um, it all goes hand in hand. And I think the 
Uh, there are a couple of things that you said that are super important. And one is not to settle, right? So mm -hmm. I think that that statistic and that narrative creates this feeling of like, well, if this is what I can get, I'll take it. And it shouldn't be that way. So it's super important not to settle. And for me, I think the most important thing is to continue living, right? Like we have to live our lives. We have to do what feels good. We have to go out for the things that we want. We have to chase our dreams, fight for our goals, break through those feelings. All while, you know, like you said, dating and getting to know people and, you know, hopefully finding someone who will appreciate all the things we've built on our own and then partner with us to help us, you know, to, to continue to build together. Right. I think right. that's really important. So this hour went by super fast. <laughs> I know. I was like, I could go on and on. I know. We can keep going. Um but I always like to end with a challenge for, um, for the listeners, right? So my challenge for us this week is to, um, A, open our minds, right? Open our minds, release our expectations, and be intentional when it comes to dating. Things are different, but you don't have to do what doesn't feel right, right? So if apps don't work for you or if meeting people out doesn't work for you, don't do it. Do what feels good and be open-minded, right? And focus less on finding someone and more on becoming the kind of partner you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. You know, as complicated as, as dating is today, the last thing we need to do right now is add like another layer of obstacles because we haven't taken the time to work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think for me in these last few years, I've realized that happiness is a personal choice. It doesn't come from your partner, right? No matter how perfect he or she is or, you know, how happy they make you feel in the beginning. If you're not making the choice to be happy, it won't matter. So I would tell everyone to be the best you, to be ready and, and open-minded enough to recognize the right person when they come along, however that is, online, in person, on an app, through a friend, whatever it is, right? They may not look or sound like what we always thought, but I think at this stage in our lives, it's so important to be evolved enough to recognize your blessing when it comes. And if you mm -hmm. haven't done the work, if you haven't prepared yourself, if you hadn't made space in your life, if you haven't found your own path to happiness, you will not be able to recognize that blessing when it comes. So Billy, thank you so much for joining me today and for being so transparent. Um, I really enjoyed our talk and I'm excited to read people's comments. My phone has been blinking this whole time so I know we have a ton of comments and um I'll probably share some of them with you and if you want to engage with anybody on um the social media page you can um but you are my first guest you're my first special guest for this thoughts and tea conversation series so I'm really happy that you joined me and I'm sure we'll have an opportunity for you to come back soon yeah this was super exciting thank you so much for having me loved it so to everyone, as always, if you have a friend or colleague that you think would have enjoyed today's topic, please let them know that the show will replay on Wednesday at 6 p.m. And next week, I'll be talking about parenting black girls. 
So mark your calendars for next Monday, 6 p.m. here on Radio Africa 1804. And remember, you can always catch up on past episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and now Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this Thoughts and Tea, please share the links on your social media channels. Spread the word. Um, and please be sure to check out some of the other great shows in our Radio Africa 1804 lineup. Um, I'm going to try to run through this as quickly as possible, but I think it's super important if you have the time to support these shows. So Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., we have Tande, which is hosted by Florence Camo. And Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 12, we have The Daily Fuel, which is hosted by Ralph Dilly. Monday through Saturday from 1 to 2, we have Mizi Connaissance, which is hosted by Florence Camo again. Monday and Tuesdays at 2, we have Yonsi Cose Sui Soi hosted by Fred Stanfield. Monday and Wednesday, of course, we have me on Thoughts and Tea at 6 p.m. Thursdays from 4 to 6, we have Jeudi Détente, hosted by Pachuco. Friday from 8 to 9 p.m., we have Monty Cava, hosted by Alix Saint-Cyr. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m., we have my new favorite, Food d'État, which is hosted by Diana, the burger diva Nicholas. Saturday at 10 a.m., we have Cousri Holistique, hosted by Dr. Enol Millier. And at 11 a.m. on Saturday, we have the Yolande Smith Show, hosted by Yolande Smith. And Sunday at 8 p.m., we have a replay of Cousri Holistique. So if you have any thoughts or comments or questions about what we talked about today, please feel free to message me on Facebook at Lori Lee Camo or on Instagram at Lori Lee underscore. Thank you so much for listening to Thoughts and Tea here on Radio Africa 1804.